Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on Anfield Next Pro. Podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland, I'm Trev Downey. And joining me to give their immediate reactions to Union Saint-Gilois 2, Liverpool 1 in the Europa League from wherever Anderlecht play are Dave Hendrick and Carl Matchett. And um, we had had a little bit of a chat, Dave, amongst ourselves before we put the mics live here for the recording and we're all pretty much in agreement that uh, it was a dreadful watch and not much to take from it at all I don't think by way of positives Uh, but we may well be uh, hung drawn and quartered for having such uh, negative opinions because the young lads and enjoy the game etc fair play to lads I fully agree, Trev. And with that, folks, thank you for listening to this episode of Post Match Raw. We'll see you next time. Um, no, uh, no. Look, it was it was a very tough match to watch. A very very tough match to watch. Um, fair to say that a lot of players, both both young and senior, it wasn't just the young lads. There was a couple of senior lads had absolute rotters as well uh, that they didn't take advantage of the opportunity to play, but. The one who did, and I'm going to steal him now in case Carl decides to talk about him, I thought Gerald Kwanzaa um, actually did shine in this game. He's he's very slow on the turn, which is the one thing I would knock him on, but his passing was outstanding. He looks good in the air. He's solid 1v1. He's comfortable carrying the ball out of defence, and he scored a, a tremendous goal, having been robbed of a goal, obviously, in the Toulouse game. Uh, got himself his, his first goal for the Reds tonight. Good first touch, great finish. Uh, he was the one real shining light for me today. I thought he was the one that really kind of stood out above everybody else, both his fellow youngsters and the seniors that played. A couple of others had decent games, but oh, in, as far as good games go, he's the only one I'd be willing to credit with a good game. 
And as far, Carl, as, as, you know, reacting to both the game and the reaction to the game, I've, I've kind of touched on something there. We had a little bit of a chit chat about um, a second before we started with Dave. Um, similarly, I'm seeing an awful lot of, uh, you know, sort of um, unequivocal takes on how <laughs> terrible our youth players or our young talent is. It feels utterly uh, reactionary uh, in the worst possible way. I mean, you cannot create two flanks of of, of kids uh, and expect things to go well if the senior men who are down the spine don't stand up and really, really help them. And they didn't have much help tonight. I, I just feel like it, it, the whole thing felt like a little bit of a wasted exercise, perhaps because of the formula of the team that took the field to start with. I don't know. What's your take? Uh, I'd largely go along with that, to be honest, and also probably add in the fact that the pitch, especially down the flanks where those groups of non-playing cohesive uh, new partnerships were, kind of looked like, you know, someone had, had thrown a tractor on there, done a few, you know, wheelies and, and spins and a few other bits and pieces and then taken a herd of cows down the side and then maybe let people play football on it. So, um I'm I'm okay with it being just rubbish, to be honest, because that's exactly what I would have expected from most of the group stage. Full experience that you have to get through one way or another, and while it's not a fun thing to have to get through on nights like this, and it sort of points to the format, but it also points to the lineup and everything else, but this is the lineup we wanted and we wanted to have a match off, if you know what I mean, so that the, the seniors didn't have to play. So all of these players who haven't played well tonight and don't have a lot of experience probably would have been, let's say, a level better had they had senior players around them. I don't think that the, their quality should be written off or indeed if they'd played well, said that they were definite to be in the team forevermore um, on the back of one game in isolation, especially with one in the context of this one, which didn't affect where we would finish in the group, but it certainly didn't help it. I think the team was absolutely the right one to pick, but that was also a self-fulfilling thing in that we were never really going to have a, a great outing. And you'd have to say, just to return to the point that, that I, I, I kind of tried to um, force upon you there, you'd have to say that if we take it from the back we can't include Kelleher in this conversation because of the remarkably small amount of games the fellas played. But if you take it from the back and you have a look at um, from Kanate through Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott and um, Endo and up to Cody Gakpo, that spine of the team, there was no, there was really no nothing by way of a solid performance. Some of them were ropey as fuck. Some of them actually just look like shadows of themselves. I think we'll have to come to that. It's very strange to see what we was hope we were hoping was an emerging um endo uh pulling a shift like he did there where he got absolutely monstered on a couple of occasions by lads who surely shouldn't be putting up to him like that. Curtis Jones's passing was appalling, but he wasn't on his own there. And Cody Gakpo looked like someone had stolen Cody Gakpo and put on a Cody Gakpo suit and went out and ran around because there was no contribution from him until somewhere close to the very end of the game. Um, And these kids cannot hope to flourish if there's not at least 
that very solid spine to the team, looking to bring them into play and actually being able to hold up the ball to allow them to make a couple of runs and stuff like that. It was just, I felt like, I felt like they were very badly served by their more senior colleagues. I would agree with everything that you've just said there, other than you said that someone put on a Cody Gap pro suit and ran around. Uh, that that last bit didn't happen at all. <laughs> That's <was> true. <laughs> stood around. Uh, the suit stood and watched the game go by. Um, look, you can look at it two ways. If you are one of these kids, like this is an opportunity for you to impress and you just got to do what you do. Or, you know, you, you need someone to handhold you through a few games early on in your career to be able to play your best. But you just kind of, you know, you have to take this up opportunity when they come around just to get the feel, the experience, whatever it is. I, I kind of agree that this team, this context of this match was a little bit set up to fail for quite a few of these young players. But it's not going to be the be all and end all for most of them. You know, they, they will get further opportunities at some point somewhere along the line. Um, I don't think anybody within the coaching staff certainly would hold this performance against them and say, wow, you had your chance, you weren't good enough, you know? I think it's also important to remember down that right-hand side with Harvey Elliott, who whether whether you think he's a central midfielder or not, he's not exactly a powerhouse central midfielder. And the two players behind and in front of him down that right-hand side hadn't played for us since the 21-22 season, um, you know, for injuries, for being away and, and trying to get back to full fitness and all the rest of it. So it's a really difficult thing to come in and, and just start all of a sudden at senior level against the team who, to add further context, did have something to play for. So they might not be great, but they are professional footballers and they are, you know, men, adults for all intents and purposes with something real tangible to try and go for. So the kids were up against it tonight and all right, they might not have thrived, but again, I, as as bad as this performance was, and it was a shocker, I, I would blame a lot more on the couple of seniors who were out there than any of the kids. And also, I wouldn't blame anything on Klopp at all because he had to go with this kind of a team. That's interesting. Dave, let's talk about the Liverpool lineup from Carl's jumping off point there that Klopp had to do that. Because as he was speaking, I was wondering to myself, I wonder would there have been an argument for really going? Because it, it's exactly right what Carl says. They have something, this team have something to fight for. And on the night you get the likes of Puertas and, 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 um, Amura looking like world beaters, Nilsson, uh, busy. And, and we're making these guys look a level above the way they are. And I'm just thinking, would there have been an argument to go with an almost exclusively youngster lineup? Because there might be a bit more of a collective raw energy there that we could have tapped into. Because people have said this, Dave, sorry, I'm I'm putting a lot in the play, but I think you're going to be able to pick up all the bits. People have said that, you know, you, well, you can't blame the senior players. I mean, They've got a huge match coming up. They've got all these big games coming up. This game does not matter. And we have to be very clear about it. It does not matter a damn, except for those kids who are trying to get it too old. So they're actually probably going to be a little bit cautious, minding themselves a little bit. And psychologically, that can get in on them. Now, whether or not you think that's acceptable for a senior professional when he's been asked to turn out for his club, it is a fair point, I guess. So would there have been a, a, a decent shout for maybe putting out far more of those youngsters uh, filling out the team with them and getting that sort of just like I say that bullion energy or do you see the point that Carl's making that Klopp would have been possibly hung drawn quarter if he hadn't done that 
No, I, I would have preferred to see an even younger team, to be honest. I would. I, I didn't want to see Ibu Kanate playing football tonight because we've got a massive game at the weekend and he's now even more vital than he was before because Joel Matip is out for the season. <clears throat> and Ibu has injury problems, so I didn't want to risk him at all. Now, I don't know who would have been the other centre-back to come in, but I assume there's somebody in our academy who could have come along and played. Um, and he's the one of the senior players that I would forgive for tonight, because I actually did think he did okay in the first half, because he was having to deal with no defensive support down that side. Connor Bradley had a really poor first half. Harvey's not a particularly good defensive player. And Cade Gordon was playing for the first time in nearly 700 days. Um, so I thought Ibu did put in a bit of a shift. But again, that harkens back to the fact that I didn't want to see him play. But, you know, you look at it and you say, OK, well, we do have United. So maybe some of the senior lads are pacing their way through this game. But you look at the ones that started. Cody Gakpo isn't first choice for us. And surely he should be using every opportunity he gets on the pitch to put in that extra work to try and reclaim the starting spot. But he didn't do it tonight. He was absolutely atrocious. Curtis Jones was first choice, has lost his place, surely is trying to fight his way back into the team. He had a stinker tonight. Waturuendo is not first choice. But there's an opportunity with McAllister out for maybe him to get a run and establish himself. And he was really poor against Palace at the weekend, so you were hoping for a bounce back. And he looked out of his depth. And I get what Carl's saying about these are professional footballers that play for Union, and they are top of their own domestic league. But that domestic league is about the equivalent of playing in League One. And I'd like to think that if we played a League One team with that team that we had out there tonight in the League Cup, the FA Cup, whatever, that they'd get the job done. And they didn't. And, you know, you're looking at their situation. Yes, they had something to play for. Yes, they're technically the home team, but they're not actually at home. Like that's actually a neutral venue that we've played at tonight. Mm. And you've got a weird situation where there's no fans behind either goal because Anderlecht haven't given permission to use the areas behind the goal. I think it's, it might have something to do with UEFA as well because I think they're the safe standing and the seats have actually been lifted out in some parts of it. But you still, we should have had enough to go there and not win. I, I don't, the, the result doesn't really bother me. It's the manner of the result that, that annoys me. Like, Connor Bradley, yeah, he hasn't played for us in a few years, but he did play regularly the last two seasons. Callum Chambers played regularly last season. Do you know? And I, Bradley at least is coming back from injury, but, like, they, it's an opportunity to show what you're capable of. And I feel like both of those youngsters let it slip through their fingers. I thought Bradley was actively bad in the first half. He he seemed to settle down once he got the yellow card. It was quite strange. Once he got booked, he, he seemed to settle into the game and his head kind of got screwed on a little better. But prior to that, he was absolutely all over the place. The two wingers, I mean, 
Cade Gordon, I thought, had some moments where he picked the ball up, drove in field, got his head up and was looking for a pass and won a free kick. And he looks like a real proper player. He looks like one that has a real chance. Ben Doak, on the other hand, puts his head down and runs fast in a straight line and doesn't really run anywhere. And like we've seen, it's, this is not the first time he's played in this competition this season. And yet it's the same thing with him. There's no end product there. And yes, he's a youngster. And yes, it will come. But you would have liked to have seen some uptick in his ability to find a man. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Will from it September to now. I mean, will it come? Because we've seen this now in, in successive games from the kid. Now, I when he burst onto the scene, he got his couple of cameo appearances. He was taking people on and people love to see that. Of course they do. Mm. But it's like it's the only thing he's got in his armory, which is to either put, as you say, head down running at defenders or if that fails or if he gets away with not getting past the defender and it pops back to him, just pop it off to the side and whatever. He doesn't seem to have a whole lot of extra bits to his game. And no. that can't really be right. He's not going to survive at Liverpool if he doesn't have other aspects to his game. It's it's interesting, isn't it, that perhaps he might be inside his own head a little bit thinking, I've got it. I'm the guy who runs at people. Yeah, <laughs> There's the so thing. many other things well, to like, do. He, he's been at Liverpool now for, what, 18 months? And there doesn't really seem to have been any development to his game in that time. Now, development isn't linear. So maybe it comes later for him, but maybe it doesn't. You know, I, I remember watching and talking to people at Celtic who knew this kid. And they they said, like, he is absolute lightning in a bottle, but there's no end product yet. But it'll come. It'll come in the next couple of years. Well, we're 18 months on and there's still no sign of it. Now, part of that is he's, what, 17, 18. He shouldn't even be playing senior football, really, for a club like us at the moment. But he just it just doesn't seem to have been any any new thing added to the skill set. Like, he's not – there's no movement. He waits for the ball, and then he gets it, and then he takes off. He's not – you saw Kate Gordon a couple of times today make runs where he cut in off the flank so that there was space out wide for either the the fullback to overlap or Elliot to move into. We didn't see any of that with Ben Doak tonight. And look, again, he's a really young player. And I, I'm sure the coaching staff think very, very highly of him for a reason. And I'm really hopeful that he does go on to become a very good player for us. But it is just, it, it concerns me ever so slightly that, he, that we just haven't seen any real development in the skill set over the, the 18 months he's been at the club. Um, but I, I, like I said, it's, it's more the performance. 
it's it's the opportunity. Yes, we had nothing to play for and they did. But you're playing for Liverpool. It's an opportunity to play for Liverpool. It's an opportunity to for the younger players to earn minutes after Christmas. This will be the last time we'll see any of these kids until next season in the early rounds of the League Cup. And with no, like, likely, touch wood, likely no Europa League next season, they're not going to be playing the Champions League. Most of them aren't going to play in the Champions League. So this was an opportunity for them to really put down a marker. Like for, for Connor Bradley, for example, he might go out on loan in January. But he would have been, should have been putting down a marker to say, like, I know Calvin Ramsey is owned by this club as well, but here's me proving that I'm better than him and more ready for senior Liverpool moments than him at this moment in time. For the two left-backs, they're in competition for minutes or, or to be involved in senior squads while Robbo's out. Chambers didn't take his opportunity. I thought when Scanlon came on, he looked a player. So he did take the opportunity. He made me think if we had to play him in the third round of the FA Cup, I'd probably be okay with that. But I wouldn't want to see Chambers in the third round of the FA Cup, you know? So it's just, I I feel like everybody who was on the pitch tonight should individually have had something to play for. Either you're a senior player looking to establish yourself, get back in the first team picture, in in the first 11 picture, or you're a young player battling to earn minutes after Christmas or to earn a move, a loan move potentially in January. Because like for some of them, they don't play regularly for the 23s. So if clubs are looking at them and thinking, okay, well, we want to, we want a left back in. What about Chambers? Oh, but that Scanlon kid looks like he might be a little bit better. Let's go and get, see if they'll give us Scanlon on loan. Robertson's back. They might be willing to let one of the left backs go out on loan. Now let's go and get Scanlon because he looks like he's more ready. And it kind of bumps Chambers a little bit further back down the pecking order. Like again, they're all young kids. I really want to see all of them kick on and, and do really well for us, either to play for us or players that we can then sell on for good money. But I just felt like too many tonight. And again, mostly the senior players just let themselves down more than anything else. I think that's fair. And for the record, just so I go through it, we're not going to do any analysis on the lineups. <clears throat> It was Keller and goal and Kwanzaa and Kanate, uh, Bradley and Chambers on either flank, Jones, Elliott and Endo in the midfield, uh, Doak, Gakpo and Gordon. And as Dave says, all of those players had something, ostensibly had something to play for, with, probably with the exception of Ibu Kanate, who of the seniors was the best. I've heard someone say Harvey Elliott had a great outing. Um, I, I failed to see that. They went with... Uh, Maurice in goals, they had um, three across the back with McAllister, Burgess and uh, Machida. They had uh, Castro Montes, Amani, Siddiqui and Lapoussin on across the, the, the middle four. Uh, uh, sorry, across the middle with Puertas behind Nielsen and Amura. And they were lively. And if we get into the details of the match, we might as well start to pick out a couple of the little narratives, Carl. And the first half is where all the things happen, I guess. The second half is kind of a non-entity, but there are one or two points to make about it for sure. So we'll, between the three of us, have a little bit of a chat about this first half uh, and talk um, um, about, you know, anything that we found relevant. 
what was obvious to me, Carl, at the start was that the flanks um, were wide open for exploitation by them, and they really had the the the, the, the tails up, for want of a better um, commentator cliche, in the opening ten minutes. They pretty much it seemed like they owned the ball. Then the stats flicked up on twenty minutes, and we had had well at least seventy three percent of possession. I'm thinking, wow, it really didn't feel like that. Um, the best efforts from them, mind you, for all their bluster in the opening ten minutes was a shot from distance on around the eight minute mark and uh, um, head or wide sorry excuse me on the eight minute mark and and a shot from distance on on 11 Um, Amura looked bright uh, put in a couple of good crosses remember him he's going to come back again later and in fact on 17 minutes he was played in then the left hand side he cut in he shot across the face of goal uh, with the inside of his right foot now if it's Thierry Henry, that's nestling in the back of the net because we saw that a million times from him, but Mora didn't quite get it right. It was a great opportunity. He should have done better with it. Um, but we couldn't seem to get any kind of toehold at that point. I'm just going to take you up, Carl, as far as the first goal because on 21 minutes, there's another opportunity. And again, it's for them. And this is just after it's flashed up that we've had 73% of the ball in the first 20 minutes. Nielsen has played in down the right-hand side. He gets the better of Kwanzaa. He gets in on Cuevin Keller. And to be fair, Keller comes out and does very well to stop it with his leg. This is an important thing to note for Keller because it might not be, there might not be too many more moments where we can um, applaud him. We pick up the first yellow of the game. Bradley goes in late uh, on 23 minutes. Endo wasn't having a great evening. And on 26 minutes, he got absolutely beasted in midfield, lost possession. And if Amora was cleverer with his run, they'd have been in on goal and would have been one up. As it was, it only took another five minutes because on 31, it is Amora who gets in. He's played in by Nielsen. Kelleher comes out. He gets a paw on the ball, but it spills back towards the feet of this striker and he manages to bundle at home. Now, he was, I thought, initially when I saw it offside, I've seen one replay, one, and that seemed to me that he was offside. There was no discussion, no still photography, no talk of anything being examined or, or, or looked at. The goal was just simply given. Now, I don't want to be the, that guy, but to me, it should not have stood. And I don't understand why it did. We got f- um, filtered through to us via the uh, ever-reliable commentary teams. This time it was the TNT combo of um, Paul. Oh, God, I can't think of his second name. Uh, anyway, not to worry. He was uh, the guy. He's got he's, 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 he's got a peculiar kind of a Norwich accent, I think. He was the guy, anyway, who was calling. And he said, look, uh, it's been checked. And apparently Kanata was playing him onside. Oh, that's great. You don't, don't feel the need to show us. So it was an odd half a half an hour, Carl. They probably absolutely deserved for their intent at least to be ahead. But the fact that the goal to me should not have stood and I have no proof otherwise except for the two still shots I've seen, that leaves a little bit of a sour taste on the back of a poor performance by us in that half hour. Yeah, I think that's fair enough, all of that. Um, I mean, 
we had a lot of the ball, but did nothing with it. I mean, you know, up to 35 minutes, considering all that possession. Cody Gakpo at centre forward has had 14 touches at this point, and we haven't had a shot. So it kind of tells you that there was an awful lot of passive, reductive, very, very attempting to be safe along the back line. And then anytime anything did go into midfield, you described one for Endo, but it could have been any of the three of them, to be fair. I thought Jones maybe started okay in terms of his you know, first touch and his his passing and that. But actually, I think the more the rest of the team weren't really doing much, he kind of took it on upon himself to do a lot more and didn't. And it actually went much worse for him afterwards. Um, none really of the midfield played particularly well in that spell in terms of progressive passing, uh, in terms of you know, playing between the lines, making runs forward into the final third themselves. Again, the knock-on effect of that is we didn't really have that usual triangles and the support from fullback because there wasn't so much overlapping. There wasn't that you know, very, very quick, incisive first touch pass into midfield and then they run off and so on. So all of these things are, are connected. And that, you know, part of the reason why we were so... Do we want to use the word boring? We were pretty boring in that first We were time. boring, yeah, yeah. So it's it's all connected right but ultimately you want either one of two things either you be really really safe at the back or you just try something a little bit different to try and make things happen in the final third some teams will go a direct ball sometimes someone else will try and like dribble it forward but we weren't really getting the wide forwards in decent areas there wasn't really like I say the overlaps or anything like that so it was a grind to watch that first half hour and defensively, it was the same thing which caused us the problem every single time. It was either balls in behind the fullbacks and just once or twice in behind Quanta as well. Um, they mentioned like on the turn is obviously something he struggles at a little bit more. I would probably add into that conversation, not having another defender, senior defender beside him talking. And you know that would go for most young players anyway. Second half, Quanta was actually probably one one of the most vocal players out there for Liverpool. But you can sometimes see that he's maybe making positional decisions himself, which somebody else might just rein him in a little bit more or position him a bit further over to the side or whatever it is. Um, Kelleher for the for that goal, I kind of I know what he's trying to do there. He's trying to obviously bat it away, but it's gone straight back into the forward's foot. Whereas I think maybe. Obviously, easy to say this after viewing a couple of replays rather than at the time, maybe just flicking it out to the side was his better option there rather than straight back into the forward's foot. Um, but, you know, there was a lot of things which could have been done better in the whole lead up to that goal. Jones losing possession, Endo losing the tackle. It was a bit of a mess all around. Was that was that a tackle that Endo did? I wasn't really sure what it well, was he did. He just sort fall. of... Fall, just, well, it was like watching a piss head trying to get in for last orders. He just sort of rambled over and then collapsed in front of everybody. But you would put most of the blame on Curtis because like he, he seemed to be trying to have a little dance or something and, and maybe, you know, get a group dance going with some of the union players and seem to forget that there was a game of football to be played. But I've just popped a picture I in the it. chat there. Now, excuse the crudely drawn line. It's not my picture. Well, it, the, the line's actually not terrible. Like that it, is clearly it, offside. It's He's a pretty terrible picture, but he does look offside. It's offside as fuck. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. 
I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's all it is. It's just offside. It's it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous decision. Whatever. As as, as, as I said, Carl's agreed. I'm glad you showed us that because... At least I, I know I'm not mental. But look, it, it doesn't really matter because overall, Dave, if we're being honest, on the balance of the first half hour, as Carla said, we were pretty shoddy. And shoddy mm-hmm. is probably a kind word to use. Um, and so we will just finish out. I'm just going to finish out the details of the first half. I'm having massive deja vu. This must have been a thing that happened in the Champions League last year or the year before because I feel like I've this is, wow, I just nearly got floored by that. Um, I feel like I've been exactly here before. We'll just finish out this part of the first half. You get two goals to talk about, but feel free to flash back to any of the things that we've touched on there, myself and Carl, because on 39 minutes, we do actually get... Uh, level. It comes from a bit of decent play. The first bit of decent play by the Reds, it happens on 38 minutes. That in and of itself should tell you what you need to know. It involves Bradley. Uh, he puts over the cross and from that we get a corner. Um, the corner is where the goal comes from in 39 minutes to make it 1-1. It is a an outswinging corner by Curtis. Um, it evades or eludes the head of Ibu Kanate and it drops in the path of Kwanzaa, who controls it beautifully. He's sort of moving towards the ball um, and strikes through the ball after his first touch into a lotus space um, and puts it beautifully into the back of the net. It's a great finish from the edge of the area. A smashing goal, a postcard, picture postcard goal. And if for no other reason his teammates you'd want them to be defending with their lives after that just to make that goal register and count Mm. it's an interesting thing to note here that Quanz has managed to score before Joe Gomez Uh, just saying Joe you might want to pull your finger out there on 42 minutes they go ahead and it's the decisive goal of the game because nothing happens worth a damn in the second half in terms of actual goals it's Puertas they get in, down, their left, our right, yet again. The ball is played into Puertas, who takes one touch. Now, he's making an interesting run, but it's a run that leaves where he's completely uh, unaccompanied, unhindered, unimpaired, finding this magical space, which our midfield has been so apt to leave in all its incarnations over the last few years. And any of the things we ever said about one Jordan Henderson, we can say about the exact same lad who's playing in that position today uh, and the fella on the other flank and the fella in the centre because there was no cover for those defenders. I actually feel sorry for them, I'll be honest. Um, The two fullback, the kids at fullback 
and whoever made up the center half partnerships throughout, they were constantly exposed. That space was absolutely absurd. And when uh, Puertas ran into it, there's still a huge amount to do. And this, Dave, is where we have to talk about Queeving because the ball is hit with the correct amount of venom for a lad who's running headlong towards our goal in ample space. But he is beaten, is big Kev, on his near post in a way that Alison would never be. Now, we have to have the chat. Can we just maybe stop comparing anyone in the world to Alison? Because it's just not fucking fair. Yeah. Can we just accept that other keepers will have feet of clay by comparison? Uh, is it too much? When you take the vast body of work that he did tonight, because he was busy, is there, there were plenty of stops. In the second half, there's a lot more. Maybe on the bigger, in the bigger scheme of things, it outweighs it. Do we need to stop maybe? In our assessment of Kelleher having, and this is hard for people to do, having Allison as the benchmark because he, nobody's nobody's living up to that. Or was it just poor again? What's your take? Um, well, first things first, uh, you're correct about the midfield giving absolutely no cover. And both fullbacks are having to push to cover for the work the midfield is not doing. So both centre-backs are getting left exposed. Ibu moves across. Kwanzaa should be quicker across and he should be closer to the man when he breaks into that space. But Kwanzaa gets, or Puertas gets the shot away. Keller shouldn't get beaten at his near post. Like it is as simple as that, but then it's not as simple as that because you're right. Comparing him to Allison is foolish because it's not that Allison's the benchmark at Liverpool. Allison is the benchmark globally. He is the best keeper on the planet. He is the best goalkeeper the Premier League has ever seen. Apologies to Peter Schmeichel. Apologies to Petr Cech. And apologies to Edwin van der Sar. You have been usurped. Alisson is the best keeper the league has ever seen. So comparing anybody to him is unfair. Comparing a young lad, well, he's 25 now, with less than 30 games under his belt is very unfair. But here's the thing. It's also silly to turn around and go, oh, he's just unfortunate that Allison's ahead of Liverpool. Because Queeving isn't good enough to be our first choice starter. He's not number two because we have Allison. He's number two because he's not good enough to be number one. It's that simple. If we didn't have Allison, we would have to have somebody else as the starter. And the problem with with a backup goalkeeper is that they don't play regularly enough to develop properly and they don't play regularly enough to even maintain a good level. You'll have a great backup goalkeeper for a year or two at most and then they either need to move on or if you keep them they're going to drop off. That's You can look all around Europe and that's generally what happened. Unless they're getting 15 to 20 games each and every season they're going to have a drop-off. You've seen Barcelona and Real Madrid do the thing where one plays the league and the other plays all the cups in European games. But they tend to get six to seven games in the Copa del Rey, all the group stage games in the Champions League, and then those clubs tend to go 
a good win in. And then they'll get three or four league games as well. So they're getting 20 games a season. They're thereabouts. Queeving, I think he's never played more than eight in a season. So where's he meant to be developing? How is he meant to be developing? So it's not fair on him either to, to say, like, you know, he, he hasn't kicked on. It was obvious he wasn't going to kick on if he wasn't going to play. If if Gerald Kwanzaa played six games or seven games a season for the next five years, in five years he'd be the same defender that he is now. And we're all looking at him thinking, you know what, in the right shape, if you put pace either side of him, he could be a fixture if he continues to develop. Yeah. You know, because he's got everything else. If if Trent had not won the battle with Joe Gomez and Trent had shown flashes, but then he'd just been Gomez's backup and he was playing, you know, the odd game here, there, and wherever, he would just be another lad that came from the academy as opposed to one of the best right backs the game has ever seen. Players need to play to develop. And Queeving hasn't played enough. And it's just unfortunate. But there's, there is the two sides to it. Number one, we shouldn't compare anyone to Allison. But number two, we also do have to be realistic. If Allison left the club tomorrow, we would have to go and buy a new goalkeeper because Queeving Keller is not good enough to be our first choice. And, and that goal is an example of why. Look, he did really well in the 1v1 early on. He was really unfortunate with their first goal. But that, that goal is is poor from a goalkeeping point of view. Like, you can't get beaten on your near post. The guy hit it, like you said, with a decent amount of venom. But it's not like it was an absolute rocket that exploded off his foot and gave him no chance. Not at all, no. You know? And it's not the first time we've talked about him getting beaten with a goal that you'd like him to, you'd like to see him save. It's not even the fourth time. That's the tragic thing about it. And I think all... I'm glad... Listen, this is what... At least a show like this, the two of you boys can come up with some stuff that we can talk about that is um, relevant in the bigger scheme of things. And even if this game is entirely irrelevant, these topics are interesting and these topics are what we can hang our hat on. And Carl, let's see if we can find one in the second half because we decide to introduce... Gravenberg and Joe Gomez, but Klabo's not going strong here because he decides to remove the powerhouse that is Endo and also Ibu Kanate. So normally he's taken out two seniors and put two seniors back in and left the flanks as they were, which I guess, again, if you're going to give him a chance, give him a chance. There's a first yellow card for them on 52 minutes for Siddiqui. Uh, to be fair, the lad had been kicking lads up in the air regularly and holding them back and pinning them. He should have gotten one for a foul on Cade Gordon earlier on and the ball is in the back of the net on 61 minutes it, it's part as again um, uh, the is it uh, Amore Amora's chest flicks the ball to Amani he squares to Fuertes or Puertas excuse me and he finishes it quite well actually it was ruled off because there was a handball in the build up um but you couldn't really have argued with it again. It was a flattener. It was a bit of a deadener. You'd like to think that what would have happened next, Carl, was with the introduction of Darwin Nunes and our um, uh, kid Scanlon to replace Chambers, that perhaps maybe now we're going to see 
something happened. So Darwin now is a senior coming in for, I think I'm fairly positive it was Doak. Um, and so you're thinking, okay, right. So w- w- he's going to raid from the left. Um, he's our guy. We know how wonderful he can be. Perhaps this is going to happen. We saw Scanlon struggle with his opening touches and then really very much actually develop into the game, which was a, a mini positive to take out of it. On 64 minutes, again, Amora with the dangerous cross. Queeving Keller pushes away. Joe Gomez clears it. Again, on 69 minutes, Amora, this time with a peach of a cross to Nielsen. Nielsen's eight yards out, Carl. Pretty much unchallenged. He heads the ball wide. He is one of their attacking players. He should do much better with what is a fantastic chance. And so at this stage, you have to say, we deserve whatever the hell we get out of this game because it could be dead and buried if we're being perfectly honest. 71 minutes, a simple ball in. Again, that's all it seemed to take tonight. Amora was in space. He was pretty much 1v1 with Cuevin Kelleher. And his outside of the foot hit with his right foot was kind of awkward. And Kelleher managed to parry the ball to safety. I think we'll pause it there because there's very little for me and Dave to talk about with the end of the game. Maybe we won't even do that. Maybe we'll just wrap it up now um, between ourselves. But in the second half... And anything else that you want to talk about? Because actually, look, let's be honest. The only other thing that happens worth a damn is that uh, Gravenberg gets off a shot in 78 minutes after a decent ball by Harvey Elliott. Um, I thought Gravenberg was lucky with his touch, I'll be honest, as he was marauding forward. Um, it, I was told it was a fantastic touch by the commentary team. I think he got lucky, but it dropped nicely and his hit was good. Um Harvey put in a cross that was too high for Darwin Nunes. Eckert has a shot uh, towards the end of the game. He was introduced as a late substitute. Um, and there was a bit of decent work by Queeving Keller at that point. He saved it. There was a dangerous follow-up cross. Keller came out and punched away the corner that came from that cross. And we had a couple of blocked shots right at the death, I think the last minute of the five that were added. So that's the second half. Let's not pretend it was, it was, it was a wild ride and a must-see. So I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's get your take on the second half and let's get your wrap-up thoughts as well bundled into the package, if you don't mind. And then I'll go back to Dave and we'll get out of here. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. (laughs) This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. 
Okay, so we might as well start with the subs. And in fact, I'll probably just make that my thing to talk about for the second half because, to be honest, there's not an awful lot of footballing to talk about. Um, so I'm glad of the two that went off um, and of another good game or whatever. But in terms of McAllister obviously being absent at the minute, minimal other options. So I'm fine with the protective notion of taking him off after 45. Uh, and absolutely the same for Kanate. I don't think Kanate is near his best at the minute. So I know what Dave's saying about he didn't want him playing just in case of an injury, but I'm not 100% against a 45-minute run out because I think he needs to get back to his levels fairly sharpish, to be honest. We, we don't just need him fit, we need him playing well. So I'm not against him getting the run out. I would say out of the two, Gomez had the better 45 minutes on the pitch, uh, in my opinion. <sighs> There's a bit of... I suppose, decent recovery work from Gomez a couple of times. It looked like he was maybe a bit more vocal than, than Canate was as well, which you know, I could, arguably you would expect. Um, Scanlon, I think, was pretty good when he came on as well. But not too much from the two seniors. And again, maybe you're looking at it and thinking they can't be bothered or they're not really that invested in it or whatever. But I mean, Darwin's come on for half an hour and has had five touches of the ball. So... There, there is an issue there. There's also an issue in the fact that we didn't really give him anything. The couple of runs he did make balls or crosses to him from deep didn't actually reach him. So, you know, that that's obviously against the number of times he does get in possession. Uh, Graham Birch did a, a magnificent job of, uh, you know, when you get them sort of groups of people working at the side of the road and there's like three people doing stuff and then one who sort of stood there all the time not doing an awful lot. <laughs> that, that was his role today. So, is that not his role every day? I mean, for such a talented guy, the game passes him by an awful lot, and that has to change before he's a regular starter in matches which are meaningful. But I, I will remain steadfast in that my biggest issue at the moment in, in Liverpool starters is very, very much Cody Gakpo. He was just such a non-entity today. He's six foot three. And he cannot turn, hold the ball up. He cannot hold off a defender. He can't control the ball when there's any kind of pressure on him at all. It's it's very concerning where he is at the moment in terms of, of we need him to do better. I think that's absolutely fair. I think that's absolutely fair. And it's a nice hard hit to end on. It makes sense. Between now and United, Carl, what have you got for us? A uh, bit of a quick turnaround, obviously, but we will have a scouted, which is very, very United-focused. We've been delaying laughing at them too much over the last couple of weeks, even though they have been giving us ample opportunity to do so. Uh, but rest assured, we will be going in two-footed, much like Jarrell Quanta did quite near the end of this game. Love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, seamless, seamless segue into Mr. Hendrick and his final thoughts. What do you reckon, Dave? What have we got to take away from this? Uh, is there anything that remains to be said about it or are we pretty much done? And do please let us know what we've got between now and United from you as well. Um, so the one thing to take away from it is the performance of Gerald Kwanzaa. Uh, 90 minutes, one goal. 100 passes attempted, 95 completed, 13 of 16 accurate long passes, won four of four tackles, had five ball recoveries and three interceptions. That is, that's really, really good. Um, you, you compare and contrast that with Cody Gakbo. 90 minutes, 38 touches, completed 19 of 24 passes for 
79%, won three of seven ground duels, made one tackle, lost possession 12 times, and was dribbled past once. And, um, of course, his Dutch compatriot, who played 45 minutes, had 32 touches and gave the ball away 11 times, which is quite staggering. Uh, 17 accurate passes from 23 for 74%, less than ideal. Uh, won two of three ground duels, all of which he was in possession of the ball, lost his only aerial duel and had not one single defensive action. Um, I have, I have dogs. I have three dogs. Now, taking out Molly, who looks down on the others, we have Toby, who's like a Shih Tzu terrier cross, and he's very small. And he is of the belief that he is the biggest dog in the world <laughs> and could fight anything. He kind of reminds me of, you know, your Ben Dog, that, that short man syndrome. We have a collie called Sammy, who is a large collie, who is of the opinion that he is a very small dog and insists on, you know, sitting on your lap and your head and things like that. Cody Gakbo and to an extent, uh, Ryan Gravenbrook, they remind me of a big dog who is unaware that they are a big dog. Cody Gakpo is the smallest six foot three, six foot four player I've ever seen. He has no core strength. He has no aggression. He has no desire for a scrap. Like, how are you getting bullied by lads that much smaller than you? How are you so easily pushed off the ball? How is it that when you try something and it doesn't work out, you don't go and fight to win the ball back? The other fellow that came off the bench, the, the Uruguayan lunatic, didn't have a good performance, but he never stopped moving. He never stopped running. When he made a mess of things, which he did, I think, with every touch he had, he tried to win the ball back at least. Like, I just don't get it with, with Gakpo and with Gravenberg. You've got everything. You've got the size. You're genetically gifted. You've got immense technical ability. But they're both really, really soft and lackadaisical. And not to play into Dutch stereotypes, but I'm not convinced that both of them weren't absolutely stoned off their nut before tonight. Because they've come on, they've jogged around the place, and jogged is, is doing them a service. Like, it's carrying a lot of water there. There was a lot of standing around and waiting for a bus. But, like, they give the ball away so easily. They're not, there's no, like, when they're passing the ball, it's almost like they're thinking about what they're going to have for dinner tonight. There's no focus on making sure the ball reaches its intended target. How do you give the ball away 11 times in 32 touches? How do you do that? And compare and contrast that, not to delay things here, but compare and contrast that to the best we've seen from them. So a, a really good Gakbo performance is not quite a masterclass. But we, that's, we know he's capable of so no. much more. Exactly. As we know with Nunes, as we know, we hope we know, we've seen at least ample evidence. that Gravenberg against Bordeaux yeah. was outstanding. There you go. So he's got it in. He's got it in. So he the has locker. it in him. Yeah, he has it in him. And against opposition, now we haven't seen it in the Premier League, bar that one cameo against City, where he had a couple of good dribbles. But against opposition like this, this is your chance to go out there 
and show how much talent you have. Go out and show Bayern Munich that they were wrong to sell you. Go out and show people that they were wrong to doubt you. Go out and show Jurgen Klopp and Pepinlinders and Jörg Schmatke that they were right to put their faith in you. And he doesn't do it. And it's too often he doesn't do it. We saw him at the weekend. Dreadful. Came on against Sheffield United. Got out-jumped by John Fleck. He's seven inches taller than John Fleck. He shouldn't even need to jump to beat him in the air. Fulham, dreadful. Like, the the good performances from Gravenberg have been few and far between. And the good performances from Gakbo this year have been few and far between. And we know they're capable of more. They're two very, very talented young lads. They've got all the gifts you could ever ask for. And they have them in six, three, six, four bodies that should enable them to further expand on those gifts. And they're soft. Like Gakbo tonight just getting bundled off the ball by little lads. Gravenberg getting out jumped by players. One aerial duel contested. Didn't win it. I'd be surprised if he's won more than five in his career at Liverpool to date. Like Gravenberg plays through the middle. Does or sorry, Gakbo plays through the middle. Does zero point in hanging on the cross. Zero point in hanging in a cross for him. Zero aerial duels contested tonight. You're six foot fucking four. I want to see you go up and contest something in the air. Yeah, somewhere that's outrageous. On the pitch. That's outrageous. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I, they're, they're, and like I said, the, the annoyance for me is we know they have the capability to be a lot better. But look, forget about it. It's over. The game didn't really matter. It's like I said, the, the result doesn't matter to me. The performance bothers me. Mm. Um, I did tweet immediately after the game that it was the first time this season we've lost without a major VAR cock-up, because obviously the previous defeat, Spurs away and Toulouse away, major VAR cock-ups in both. And there I was thinking, oh yeah, look, we've just lost the game. I said on, on, on the Daily Red today, I don't mind if we actually lose a game. I just, I, it annoys me when we lose because of a referee's interference. And I had completely forgotten that we got screwed on the first goal today. It's clearly uh-huh. offside. It is. But look, at the end of the day, it's, it's absolutely meaningless. We go through, Toulouse are through in second. Union don't actually benefit from the, the goal because they don't advance, but they'll, they'll go on and play in the conference league and, and the best of luck to them. I, do you know what? Do you know what's good about this competition, Trev? It is, this is one of the highlights of those lads' careers. We saw, we've all seen the video of them on the plane finding out they were playing Liverpool. Did you see them celebrate at full time? Absolutely delighted with themselves and fair fucking play. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's what it should be about. This is massive for them, for them as players, for them as a club. Go and look at where they were five years, 10 years ago before Tony Bloom went in there and like this is this is a great moment in their history. So congrats to them. Best of luck in the Conference League. Our lads need to get their finger out because, again, it's a different group of players, but we've had a lot of bad performances over the last couple of months. We're winning, but we're not playing well. And I, I don't know how sustainable that is. I don't think you can go an entire season, play well seven times and win a league title. 
But at the moment, I'd look at our league results and say, I think we've played well about three times, maybe four. So I'd like to see a bit more cohesion come the weekend. I'm curious to see what Jurgen will do at the weekend. Me and Carol will talk about United and about the game on Scouted. There'll be two-footed and daily reds. And uh, there'll be there'll be a few other bits and bobs. We're, we're, we're ramping things up all the time. And with the move that we've made away from Acast to our new provider, um, they're looking for more and more of our content. So we will be more than happy to give it. Yes, yes. The content machine is hungry and we will feed it. Uh, congratulations to you five stalwart individuals who have listened to this live because, I mean, we barely dragged ourselves here and we have to do this. So it's uh, very impressive by you. We appreciate you listening live. We appreciate the many, many, many sets of ears that listen to us after the event on the podcast on all your various platforms fair play to you for doing that um, continue to do it spread the word if you think we offer something good I don't think there's too much to argue with that I think it's something that you can probably share with confidence and know that people are going to be happy enough with it there are a lot of people doing a lot of good stuff on Anfield Index and Anfield Index Pro I was Trev Downey that was Dave Hendrick you heard Carl Matchett Guy Drinkle was producing this was Raw more back for United when it really matters, mind yourselves. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now, at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.